Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. Now, today we're going to give you an overview into one of the world's largest privately held real estate investors and managers. Now, founded in 1957, Heinz is a real estate investment, development, and management firm with a presence in 395 cities across 30 countries and 95 billion US dollars of assets under management. As of the end of last year,、uh, the company has historically developed, redeveloped, or acquired over 1,600 properties, with 203 developments around the world underway at the moment. With many APEC currencies devaluing against the US dollar, we want to find out what this means for the Houston-headquartered firm and its investors when it comes to expansion within Asia. We'll also have a look at some land development patterns and trends in urban sites within APEC and the opportunities. Opportunities they present for the company. Now, for more, let's speak to Ray Lawler, CEO APEC at Heinz. Ray, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you on board as well. So, Ray, before we get started, I do understand Heinz is one of the largest privately held、uh, real estate investors and managers in the world. You're involved in developing, investing, and managing real estate. But tell us more about your value proposition and business model. Well, thank you for that kind introduction and the overview of Heinz. It's being a global firm, as you pointed out. We do have the advantage of seeing quite a lot. We see a lot of trends globally.、Uh, with that advantage, we can use it to invest locally. So I think our first value proposition is really being a global firm, but with a really deep local expertise.、Uh, the second thing we have is we're private, as you pointed out. We're one of the largest private owners and developers in the world. And with being private, we can take a very long-term view. Uh, and then finally, we don't only buy or build assets; we also own and operate them. And so, we really play up and down that life cycle of real estate, and、uh, we call that in real estate the technical term, being vertically integrated. So, I think being private, being global, but yet local, but being "quote unquote" vertically integrated, are, are really unique value propositions for our stakeholders. Hmm. So you do have funds that focus on investing in real estate, and you do buy and develop them yourself. Okay. So let's、uh, talk about how Heinz is present in 395 cities across 30 countries. Your AUM is at about 95.79 billion US dollars by the end of last year. But、uh, take us through your presence within APEC right now. Which are the markets that you are focused in as far as Asia Pacific is concerned? Right. Well, thank you. Yes, we certainly have a big global presence. Uh, and I do, I do sit on the executive board for Heinz and, and, and、uh, oversee the firm with my fellow colleagues globally. But as as you point out, I'm focused on the Asia Pacific region, and I head up a market of seven countries.、Uh, we have eleven offices within those countries, and we have a presence in about twenty cities or so. And of the nearly ninety six billion of assets under management,、uh, we have a six to seven billion here in Asia. Asia Pacific region, and looking forward to、uh, increasing that、uh, percentage of the of the global AUM over time. I actually sit here in Hong Kong,、uh, and we have,、uh, in terms of the markets that we're active in, we have a, a strong presence in Korea, a strong presence in Japan, mainland China, Hong Kong, Singapore,、uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Vietnam. Hmm. And、uh, let's take a look at the wider business environment. Ray, the U.S. Federal Reserve has raised interest rates ten times since March last year, and 
that's assuming that we are going for a pause or a skip uh, tomorrow. But nonetheless, whatever the Fed has done has pushed up the dollar. And with currencies in APEC devaluing against the king dollar, what does this mean for Heinz in terms of acquisition and development of real estate, given that you're based or headquartered in the US? Well, thank you. And I always appreciate a question about interest rates or currency movements. And, and I've, I'm consistently humbled that we don't know what's going to happen with uh, currency movements or, or interest rates. You know, what we know we can control is uh, what we buy, when we buy it, and what we do with the asset. Uh, obviously, currency uh, devaluating does create short-term opportunities uh, in the Asia-Pacific region, particularly for U.S.-based uh, dollar investors. But that being said, we can't really uh, you know, bet on currency movements. We do uh, invest in the best markets and the best real estate, and we really do focus on something we call alpha, which is really leaning into the, our ability to add value to the asset uh, at the at the ground level, you know the nitty gritty of, of the real estate really, uh, and then you know interest rates sometimes cut our way, sometimes they don't. You know there are lots of things we can do to mitigate that in currency movements, but it really is about building and buying the highest quality assets in the best locations where we can add the most. Uh, alpha over time. And I think one point that we did miss out early on in the conversation is who would you consider to be your customers per se? Are they your investors? And if so, uh, to what extent are your investors located within the US? Right. Our customers is always a great question because as a real estate investor and developer, you know, I have multiple customers. In the end, it is about our occupiers that, that occupy our assets, whether it's living, office, retail, logistics. But it's obviously our investors, you pointed out, but it's also about the community that we're in. It's about the governments that we work with. And increasingly for all of us, it's about the planet. And so our customers are, are numerous and we really need to balance all of those as we think about uh, the future of real estate and any product that we might do in any market. So, um, Ray, take us through what is the outlook then for the real estate sector within APAC per se uh, amid the current economic climate? And are there any types of real estate that Heinz is particularly interested in for the moment, say cold chain, anything that's on your mind right now? Right. Well, the Asia-Pacific region, as we all know, is a big region. And each country is moving somewhat independently. Markets like Korea, New Zealand, Australia, and Singapore are moving uh, more like the West. Uh, but th with that being said, markets like Japan, they've held interest rates uh, pretty steady, relatively low, and it's been a pretty muted uh, deflationary environment there. On uh, markets like Jap in China, we've actually seen interest rates come down and it more of a deflationary environment. So every, every market is moving differently. What I, what I definitely can say though, is the Asia compared to the West uh, the growth is uh, quite significant. You know, the world's GDP, a, a big a big piece of it is coming from the Asia Pacific region. And so the growth is undeniable. And investors are really seeing the benefit of diversification uh, in their global portfolios. In terms of what we're really focused on throughout the region, you know, as you pointed out, cold cold storage in certain markets are, are quite interesting. You know, we have that uh, those type of projects in Japan. In Korea, uh, you know, we have one in southern China, uh, and we have uh, a couple that we're looking at, or one that we have in Australia. And so, logistics will always be something we're quite interested in. Uh, build to rent in Australia is a product type that we're leaning in on. Uh, we think that's a, a once uh, in a, a perhaps a lifetime opportunity to develop institutional, class A, sustainable 
living product for a market that's not institutionalized. And so the, the opportunities in Asia are vast. They're moving in very different directions, but they're certainly moving in a, in a different direction than the West right now. Oh, and it definitely provides a diversification element for, for our investors that are looking for up and down the risk spectrum and multiple product types around the world. Hmm. And I do want to zoom in on your presence within Asia and Ray, because I understand Heinz has this 1.12 billion US dollars a open-ended fund called the Heinz Asia Property Partners Funds. And uh, you guys want to scale this up amid the current economic environment. So tell us more about the fund and how do you intend to scale it up then? Right. Well, the fund's quite exciting. As you you point out, you know, we've raised a significant amount of capital uh, into that fund and we're deploying it in all the markets that I I just outlined. Uh, We've made uh, investments over the last two years in, in all of the major markets uh, and, they're, and they're quite exciting. Um, in terms of how do we uh, anticipate scaling it, I really think it comes down to performance, uh, which, we're, which we're so far we're quite pleased with. And as we perform and deliver value to our investors, uh, we know that it will scale over time. Uh, it is a discretionary fund. I know you're going to ask. So what that means is as capital comes into the fund, it gives us the ability to deploy it uh, as we see fit. And that surety that speed, that ease of execution provides us a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Mm. Okay, you talked about discretionary capital, right? And staying on Heinz operations within APEC, it seems like Heinz wants to strike a balance between discretionary capital and strategic partnerships. Now, I must admit that this is quite technical even for myself. So what is the difference between discretionary capital and strategic partnerships? Why the need for the company to strike a balance right now through your funds? Right. On the discretionary side, as I hit on, that is when investors uh, on, on behalf of, of their clients uh, put money in our funds and give us, quote unquote, discretion to use it as we see fit, uh, as the market uh, ebbs and flows and, and we see opportunities in, in various markets. So that's what discretionary capital means. What strategic partnerships mean is when you go to an investor with a specific opportunity, a, a development, uh, for example, like we might have uh, in Korea or, or other other places around the world, and we say we have this unique opportunity, or we have a programmatic, thematic, scalable, uh, strategic idea that we would like to capitalize with you, but we'll make the decision together. Uh, the reason you want the dist- the strategic partnerships is a lot of these developments by definition are quite large, require a lot of capital. And they could, if in a discretionary fund, just simply be too big for the fund, uh, given the size. Because the, the key to a fund that's discretionary is you want it diversified, both in product type and location, but also in capital allocation to various geographies. So you need more discretion in that regard and more diversification per se. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we are now in conversation with Ray Lawler, CEO APAC of Heinz. And meanwhile, Ray, let's take a look at some land development patterns and trends in urban sites within APAC. What is or what are the top one of two trends in the arena? What opportunities do they present for Heinz then? Right. Let me give you three, Tintin, because there, there's really three that always jump to my mind when I think about land. You know, one is the age old saying, location, location, location. Land is really about where, where you buy it. And so that's always incredibly important. The second thing that really ties into the location piece is, is a good piece of land 
is highly amenitized, it's adjacent to transit, and it provides an urban infill opportunity that's mixed use. That's another key piece. And then finally, I think everybody should know uh, land is always the first to fall in a downturn in terms of value. And the reason is, is when interest rates go up, so your debt costs go up and your cost to build go up. So you have inflation like we do now and you have interest rates going up. The first thing that moves is land and it goes down. And so people always holding land, you know, need to take a long-term view. Land speculators sometimes uh, get get pinched in, in this point in the cycle. But with that said, it also creates opportunities if you have the capital and, and uh, it, it fits the first two which is location, highly amenitized, urban infill next to transit. Mm. So given the current environment, the business environment that we are in, high inflation, etc., are you seeing an urban sprawl when it comes to, you know, more suburban areas coming up, uh, more property developers going towards suburban areas, or you guys investing into suburban areas as well? It, it's it's interesting in, in markets in Asia, you know, because the public transit system, majority of the, uh, the markets we operate in, like, like Hong Kong or Tokyo. I mean, you know, that we're talking world-class transit. You know, we're always looking at opportunities on, on transit stops. But I, I will say, generally speaking, uh, we call them supply-constrained markets where, where there are barriers to entry because of the geography are always more interesting than markets that do not have those barriers. So clearly markets like Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, I, I mean, the list goes on and on, by definition, have very significant uh, natural and physical land constraints. Those those markets in terms of urban infill land are usually more interesting where there is uh, there isn't any limit to building out, if you will. Uh, and you see that uh, where there's no constraints in future supply, uh, the land by definition and development is usually more risky than ones where there are significant constraints. Okay. And while we are on the topic of urban development, uh, Ray, let's talk about Heinz's uh, T3 or Timber Transit and Technology concept. Quite interesting here. You guys are pioneering commercial mass timber buildings and office developments. You've recently launched the firm's flagship T3 Collingwood in Australia as well. So tell us more about this concept. How much money is it for you guys to explore the idea of using mass timber for buildings and office buildings in particular? Well, thank you. I love I love talking about T3. Uh, it's a personal passion for mine. Um, on the personal side, I actually grew up in the woods. Literally, I grew up in the in the countryside in central Pennsylvania in the U.S. And so that was my happy place, you know, being in the forest. And so to see Heinz bring timber wood to the built environment really gets me excited. So I just want to say that. Um, in terms of T3. As you point out, it stands for Timber Transit and Technology. The timber is simple. We're using sustainably clean, green timber to build uh, products. By definition, that timber uh, keeps the carbon encapsulated in the wood. And so, for example, we have a project in Melbourne, uh, T3 Collingwood, that is 34% less carbon than a traditional steel or concrete structure because we're using wood in it. So the, the timber piece is key. The second is really uh, timber and then transit. Transit really hits on your question around urban infill land. Uh, by definition, we want to build these assets next to transit in highly amenitized areas because if people take transit to work, they have a lower carbon footprint. 
and obviously walking to various amenities is good for the environment and good, good for the individuals. And then the final piece to timber transit technology, T3, on the technology side, we're living in a digital age. I mean, I'm talking to you right now you know, via Zoom. And, you know, I have a couple teenagers. I watch them every day. Uh, we are building these assets for them, you know, these projects, and they are physical and digital at the same time. And so the technological piece, you know, we cannot uh, understate. And so it's a really exciting product type. We're actually, the one in Melbourne is one of 26 we have going globally. Uh, I think that makes us the biggest uh, timber developer uh, across, across the world with those projects and quite excited about it. And I will just say on a per another personal note, I started with me growing up in the forest, but I'll finish with this. I just uh, visited T3 Collingwood in Melbourne it was so fun. I walked in and in a traditional building, you walk in and, and you're certainly not doing these three things that I'm about to say. You know, you walk in and the first thing you do is you smell it. You know, you can literally smell, smell the wood. It's so unique. And the second thing is you see it and you look around and it's just so different because it's you, you feel like oh, you're almost in a treehouse in a way. And then finally, you, you know, in, in Tianjin, if we walk in it together someday, the next thing you'll do is you'll touch it. And I promise you, you won't touch steel or concrete. And so it is a really unique, innovative, forward-looking product type built for the future, you know, built for our children that really addresses sustainability, location that you asked around uh, urban infill sites, and then technology. So we could not be more excited about it. We think it serves as a real good blueprint for us to do in other markets, hopefully Singapore, by the way, uh, but also just throughout the world for our peers, uh, you know, to do more of this because it, I think it is the future of construction. And Ray, don't mind me asking this. How much money is in that treehouse for you guys? <laughs> well, certainly we are a we are a for-profit organization. You know, one of the, you asked me about our stakeholders. One is our investors. And so we need to, we need to think about our investors. So we do, we're not, we're not building these for charity. But the great thing is, is we can serve our investors and make money. But at the same time, our occupiers, I've, I went through the benefits there. But obviously, local governments and, uh, uh, find it compelling as well. And, and finally, it's just great for the planet. So it, it is when you had asked you know, who our customer is, uh, I think T3 really addresses the needs of all the various constituencies quite well, which we can't say for a lot of other investment types. Hmm. Okay, and one quick one before we let you go, Ray, uh, aside from that T3, what are some future plans for the company in the second half of this year? What can we expect here in Singapore? Well, I'm very excited about Singapore. You know, we scaled our team up there quite significantly. I'm there often. And uh, my partner, Kian Fung Lim, is, is leading the charge and looking at various great opportunities. You know, we have our first uh, logistics asset there. Also, we will continue to, to look at that market very carefully. In terms of the Asia Pacific region, uh, which I'm responsible for, you know, I endeavor that we are a third of what Heinz is doing. And so, you know, we had talked about, you'd started out uh, about Heinz's AUM, and then, you know, I shared where we are here in Asia. You know, it's not necessarily about being bigger, but I do think the growth in Asia is undeniable. And so, you know, I would, I would think the future, well, what, what I could say is, you know, I would endeavor that we in Asia, the Pacific region are a third of what Heinz is doing which provides quite a bit of runway for my team, you know, for our partners and, and, and really for all, all of our stakeholders throughout the Asia Pacific region. So pretty excited about the future. 
Mm, very exciting plans indeed and targets as well. So thanks a lot, Ray. That was Ray Lawler, CEO of Asia Pacific at Heinz. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.